Well, you join me today in Bangladesh, and I'm in the far eastern part of the country, in Cox's Bazaar, a 125-kilometre-long slither of beach running close to the border with Myanmar, which is to the south. In fact, this is the longest continual natural beach on the planet. And if you're wondering where that name comes from, Cox's Bazaar, well, it owes it to an 18th-century British East India Company captain. Today, though, Cox's Bazaar is where Bangladeshis come to play, and they do so in huge numbers, drawn by the soft sand, beautiful sunsets, restaurants and entertainment. Think of it as the Bangladeshi equivalent of Brighton or Blackpool, but a lot warmer and with a whole lot more sand and an awful lot noisier. I'm walking down towards Kolotoli Beach from the bus station, which brings people in from the capital in Dakar. And there's so much going on, so many sounds and smells. I can smell curry, I can smell rice. There are market stalls here selling dried fish. And there are street cafes, lots of street cafes on the corner, just small stalls with people sitting around, grabbing a bite to eat, sitting on wooden benches, drinking tea and coffee, um, while the odd goat wanders around, hoping for a few scraps that are dropped from the table. There's a stall, a wheeled cart that's been brought in, that's got coconuts on it. There's people selling all sorts of stuff, bananas, trinkets. Incredibly noisy, as you can hear, the buses coming in all the time from Dakar and other parts of Bangladesh, bringing people in to enjoy the beach. There's people selling strings of seashells made into necklaces. And there's a really lovely fresh fish stall with huge green crabs next to trays of fried prawns. Bangladesh is a, a busy and a crowded place. 163 million people crammed into the space the size of England and Wales. It's one of the most densely populated places on the planet. Okay, I've come further down the road now and I can see the beach ahead. There are a few stalls selling things that actually would be quite familiar with people back home. Straw hats, sunglasses, inflatable footballs. Right, let's get down onto the sand because the man I'm planning to meet should be around here somewhere but this beach is so vast and it's so crowded there are so many people it might be a bit difficult to find him his name is MTS Ahmed and he's lived in Cox's Bazaar all his life he used to work for a big corporation but five years ago he decided it was time to take a different path in life and dedicate his life to tackling one of Bangladesh's biggest problems drowning you know it's estimated here in Bangladesh that 40 children drown every single day in rivers, in ponds, in canals, and at sea beaches like this one at Cox's Bazaar. And Imtiaz is one of many people who's working to turn around that shocking statistic and do everything they can to save everyone. Hello, Imtiaz. Hi there. Hello. Hi. I found, found you, found you. It's a busy beach, isn't it, down here? Yeah, it's busy. Lots of tourists come, and also lots of local people come today. It's very busy. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Because the sand stretches both sides for as far as the eye can see. You can't see where the beach ends. <laughs> it's quite natural, actually. In Costas Bazaar, is, uh, it, this is the most uh, popular tourist destination. So in the weekends, uh, lots of tourists come and uh, local people also like to visit in Costas Bazaar beaches, so it's busy. And, and behind us, we've got sort of the front, we've got a new hotel that's just been built that's a, it's, it's a huge hotel a few modern ones um, and, a, and a few smaller buildings as well yeah lots of 
uh, hotels, lots of motels are uh, still under construction. Maybe within five years, the total scene will be changed. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can see why with this beach, can't you? Should we, should we walk over? I was just looking, there's some um, uh, sun loungers and parasols down there. Sure. Should we go down sure. there and have a sit down and have a chat? Yeah, sure, definitely, definitely. Well, we're now sat down on the uh, sun loungers and, and it looks like, uh, are we talking about low tide? I mean, we can hear the sea um, and some big breakers, you know, coming in there. But is this low tide? Because it's a long way out. Actually, high tide just started. Uh, maybe within uh, two and a half hours, uh, tide will come in. And, and what's it like living in a place like this? It's extraordinary, isn't it? Well, yes, it is like uh, living in paradise. <laughs> you know, it's calm, cool. Is this where everyone dreams of coming to one day? Yes, they do, because, uh, you know, uh, there are not many places to visit in Bangladesh, actually. And uh, people like to come with their friends, with their family, uh, lots of festivals. I think it's difficult for people back home to get an idea of the numbers of people that come down here. But this beach can get incredibly crowded. Hardly any place to sort of even move through the crowds. You've lived here all your life, haven't you? Have you got a family here? I have wife, two kids. Uh, my wife working as a uh, teacher in a college. Uh, my kids, both of my kids going to the school, so yes. How, how, old, how old are your children? Uh, my son is seven years old, my daughter is below four. Do you bring them down here a lot? Well, every week. They love to come here, they love to spend their time here. Whenever they come, they play in the water. Whenever they come, they play in the sand. And they bring their toys. What's lovely is to see so many families down here. Um, men, women down here, women in their, in their beautiful saris, um, but just walking into the water sort of fully, fully dressed. They don't seem to worry about getting all wet, do they? Yes, actually, uh, culturally, uh, uh, most of the women like to cover themselves, but still, uh, they want to enjoy their time. Well, we've moved a little further north up the beach, and in a country where everything seems so exotic and so different from the UK, there's something that's very familiar flapping in the wind, it's a large yellow and red flag. And in the distance I can see a lifeguard dressed in a yellow t-shirt and red shorts, um, perched up on top of a lifeguard tower, scanning the beach. Um, you could be in, on one of hundreds of um, Arnalai lifeguarded patrol beaches. Um, in, in the UK, it looks incredibly familiar. And, and MTS, this, this is the reason why you're here, isn't it? It's, it's because of these lifeguards. How did this all start? How did you end up with a beach with lifeguards in the traditional red and yellow? Uh, we have a project called SeaSafe. SeaSafe uh, has uh, got lifeguard service. In 2011, RNLA came here uh, and provide a uh, life-saving training to few surfers. So we've got a situation here at Cox's Bazaar where we've got a group of surfers who enjoy coming down the beach, they enjoy surfing, but they see people drown on a regular basis. They're able to save some of them, but they're not able to save all of them. So they asked the RNLI for some help to get some proper training. Yes, uh, actually drowning is a common issue in, in Cox's Bazaar, as lots of people come and visit. So yes, there are a group of surfers uh, who want to rescue the people, but lack of the training, uh, there was a training required. So. Uh, that's why RNLA came here, provide the life-saving uh, training to the surfers. And after that, since 2014, the CSAF project started. The CSAF project 
is implemented by Center for Injury Prevention and Research Bangladesh, that is called CIPRB, and supported by RNLA, Royal National Lifeboat Institution, UK. So it became it became more formalised, really. The, the, the training for the lifeguards and the recruitment of the lifeguards um, came under CIPRB, um, so that you could actually run it as a proper structure rather than a group of surfers who who have been trained. It, it needed to have some sustainability. Yes, actually, yeah. Uh, since then, uh, the project is uh, is taking place with a formal way. Uh, right now, uh, CSAFE uh, has got uh, 27 lifeguards uh, and uh, the service is same as UK and uh, this is st uh, following the standard, same standard like UK uh, lifeguard service. Now you came on board right at the beginning, didn't you? 2015, um, when CIPRB had just got involved here. What was it like here, you know, back then, five years ago? Well, five years ago, the scenery is not like that. People come, uh, people uh, want to swim over here, but the uh, beach was risky because there was no uh, lifeguard service, no standard lifeguard service was here. So drowning was a common issue and uh, people can't identify the hazards. What sort of numbers of people were drowning before the lifeguards were here on this, on this beach? Well, every year five to six people drown. And, and that's just on this, this very short? This, this very short beach. Because Kosovar is more than 120 kilometer beach. There are also other beaches. So number of people drown. Uh, with this service, uh, actually only three beaches we are covering. And since we start our journey, the uh, drowning rate is under control. And under the red and yellow flag, there is no drowning. So the three lifeguarded beaches you've got here are about a kilometer each. So three three kilometers, kilometers yes. and, and you're saying that before this service was here five or six people were drowning just on that three kilometer stretch every yes. year yes that's true right now uh, the scenario is totally changed uh, you can see red and yellow flag uh, you can see there is uh, you know uh, lifeguard patrol beach you can see the lifeguard service you can see lifeguard rescuing people they're educating the tourists they're educating to the uh, people so scenery is totally changed yeah we could we could hear a whistle uh, just going off then was that from that's from one of your lifeguards isn't it i can yes. see them just walking along the shore um, what what would they be what would they be doing there well, uh, the lifeguard saw that uh, two, uh, two people uh, going outside of the red and yellow flag and they, uh, the lifeguard just whistled and tried to bring them under the red and yellow flag. Because they get exactly the same training as, as lifeguards would in the UK. Yes, actually, uh, exactly. Uh, they have got the same training, same uh, same sort of skill training, uh, almost same sort of equipment also for the rescue. They they use the rescue board, rescue tubes. They have the same sort of training. They can do the CPR. I think what people will find incredible as well is that they're on patrol 365 days a year. It's not a summer season, it's all year round. Yes, it's a challenge because, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, lots of tourists come actually lots of people come to the beach so we have to run our service for 365 days because they've got a lot to deal with haven't they because um, 
there's the more traditional beaches just up just up north from us where people are uh, are running into the water but they've also got people sell you know with here with huge inflatables that you can hire sort of old um, lorry tires that have been blown up and brightly painted and they keep them on sticks and people come along and, and hire them and, and go out into the water and we know how dangerous they can be. Yes, actually uh, inflatables are one of the main reason of drowning uh, because uh, people think uh, that uh, especially who can't swim they think this is the safest way uh, you know <laughs> for, for the swimming but actually this is one of the dangerous thing to use because Cosmosar is a sandy beach, rip current is a common issue. So whenever uh, they use uh, the inflatable, if the offshore wind came uh, or they caught by rip current, they become off balance and they get drowned. We heard behind us there's some quad bikes that people are going on. There was a jet ski just out on the water a second ago and, and lots of traders and things coming around selling things, some of them children as well. And all of these people you've got to protect. Every week we also provide uh, weekly refresher training. Sometimes we uh, provide the training to the uh, beach boys, uh, we provide the training to the photographers, we provide training to the uh, other people uh, who, who rent uh, the inflatable so that whenever they see anyone struggling, they can go and help. Yeah, so these are the people that are on the beach. All the, I mean, people live on this beach, don't they? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's quite sad to see that there's some children down here who obviously live on the beach, on and around the beach. They're quite poor, but they're here all the time. Yes, they're, they're here all the time. So that's why we try to provide them the skill, the training, proper training. And you've had examples where your lifeguards have actually been children that have been down here selling teas and coffees, um, and eventually they've trained up as, as lifeguards and they're able to support themselves. Well, yeah, uh, whenever uh, these children saw a lifeguard, uh, they they want to be a lifeguard. <laughs> uh, they, they they are you know real life heroes. So they treat as a real life hero, the ideal in their life. Actually, the value of the project is saving life and changing life. It is not saving life. We are also changing lives. One of those who has seen their life change is Cameron Hassan. He's been coming here since he was five. By 13, he joined the Cox's Bazaar Surfers and witnessed people drowning firsthand. Now. He's a lifeguard. Like a few few times I see people drown in the years. Actually the tourists in, who come from Dhaka, they don't know how to swim and they don't have no idea about beach, how to swim and who is the hazardous are. So they usually get drowned because they go far and they don't they don't see the the channel the channel and they don't see the deep water and they get drowned. And you and you saw this as a as a surfer. Uh, how how regularly did it happen? And many people go a little bit far, and I swim with my surfboard. I give my surfboard and hold. I tell them, please hold this surfboard, and you will survive, and I will take you to the shore. Like it, it's happened many times, but not die. You, you managed to save. You managed to save them. Yeah. Even before you were trained as a lifeguard. Yeah. Yes, that's happened. Then. Is the main problem that they can't swim? As you said, they don't understand the currents. Uh, they are not a strong swimmer. Even they are a little bit swim, but they are not a strong swimmer to fight with the current, and they get scared into the water. So you were saving lives before you came became a lifeguard. Yes. But now, do you feel much more capable yes. doing that because of the training that you've got? Because before, when I was not trained, I can only understand, because as a surfer, I can only understand how far people go. The trainer teach us 
to go talk to them, show them the hazard, single them to not to go far, communication with them, and show them what is the hazard. So you have to point out those hazards to people when they, when they arrive? Yeah, what we do now after lifeguard, what we do now, people go far and we give Russell to them not to go far and they understand Russell why they're giving Russell. Now is a dangerous, a strong current and if you go deep, if, if you don't know how to swim, if you go deep then you will get problems. And since, since you've been a lifeguard, have, have you saved many people? Yeah, I have saved many people and I help many people and I also rescue many people. And how does that make you feel knowing that you've saved someone's life with your skill and your training? I feel good, uh, I feel very good and I feel proud to the, this, have this training and I'm really proud to be Arnola and CIPIB that are doing this great job in Koswaza. If they're not doing this job, I think we can we 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 cannot save we cannot save live in Koswaza. Many tourists, many local people will die. It sounds, Cameron, that you've by training up, you've changed lives, you've saved people's lives, yeah. but also you've made a big impact on your on your own life as well. Yes, yes. Is uh, so as I saving other people life as uh, I I have also changed my life in the lifeguard, and is a. Uh, I love my job and I love lifeguarding, yeah. We've come down a bit closer to the shore now, the, the breakers are coming in, it's, it's warming up a bit. Um, there's some really interesting looking um, boats offshore, they almost look a bit like sort of Chinese junks, what, what are they? They're the fishing boats actually, uh, they're catching fishes near the shore. There's quite a few out there aren't there and they look quite, they're quite sort of ornate aren't they, with big sort of um, uh, big uh, bows on them that, 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 that look really interesting. Yeah, this is interesting. Fishing, fishing is the second uh, source of income in Cox's Bazaar. So you can have lots of fishes, very good fishes. Right now, tourism is the main source of income of, of the local people. Fishing is the second source of income. And, and, and do you have a problem with fishermen drowning as well? Is that another issue? Well, yes. Uh, and last year, uh, we rescued 11 fishermen. Wow, that's incredible. The, the lifeguards here? The lifeguards here. What, what happens? Do they just fall off the boats? I mean, the boats are probably about half a mile offshore here, aren't they? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, when the sea is rough and uh, when they try to pull their fishing nets, sometimes uh, the, they fall down or the boat uh, off balance and that drowning happens. I oh, see, so, so as easy as that. And then so easy. Well, we're taking a walk now because uh, despite the incredible work that the lifeguards do here every day of the year, it, it is impossible to save everyone, as we've been hearing, on a stretch of beach that goes for 125 kilometres and millions of people coming here all year round. And those yellow and red flags only cover a few kilometres. We're moving to a spot where in 2016, four schoolboys got into difficulty in the water uh, and one of them, 12-year-old Jamil, couldn't be saved. Um, I can see ahead of us, we're meeting up with a couple of lifeguards, aren't we? Rashid and uh, Mohammed, who were off duty the day the tragedy happened. Um, and with them also is uh, Tanzel, now 16, who was saved by them, but lost one, one of his friends. Four, four of them, uh, him, Tanzil himself, and three other friends, including Jamal. Four of them uh, hired a inflatable uh, here and uh, went into the water. Suddenly a wave came and they 
fall from that uh, inflatable. And uh, after few minutes, they realized that Jamal was not there uh, with them. Uh, then uh, he saw lifeguard uh, here. Uh, lifeguard rescued him and uh, lifeguards were searching for Jamal but they couldn't find Jamal. After seven days Jamal's dead body was found. You said there were three of them left in the water. Could any of those three swim? One of his friends uh, can swim uh, and he was trying to save or, or hold all all. The, all the other friends. Did Tanzel think that he was going to drown? Did he think he was going to end up like Jamil? Yes, he was really scared and he thought at that time uh, he could drown like Jamal. Can, um, can they describe um, what the scene was like when, when they arrived to find the three boys in the water with one who could swim Desperately trying to hold up the other two, including Tanzo, who couldn't swim. They saw one boy was trying to uh, trying to swim, and two others, two other uh, children, is holding him. Three of them just floating, but they are having water and they are struggling. And then immediately they went for the rescue. Uh, and then one of them saying that there is another one. Uh, the name of the children is Jamal. He was, uh, was not found. And then they start searching Jamal. After one and two hours, they couldn't find Jamal. And then uh, they decided to go back. If they hadn't have been there, what do you think would have happened? If they couldn't come back on that day, particular day, maybe three of them could drown like Jamal. How did it feel, Rashid, to know that you'd, you'd saved two, uh, potentially three lives? Um, hearing Tanzel say that if you hadn't have turned up, um, they would probably have drowned. Well, uh, he was happy one way that uh, he, they came back and saved at least three lives. But still, he said that they couldn't uh, save Jamal, still one life lost. Doing amazing work here, but you can't save everyone, it seems. If we educate people to swim between red and yellow flag, where the lifeguard patrols, life will be saved and secured. Tanzel, what have you done about your safety since you were rescued? Have you, have you learned to swim? He wants to take the uh, formal swimming lesson and he thinks that uh, this year he is going to join for the swimming lesson. Okay, so we're, MTS and I are walking back off the beach now, um, hopefully back to get a coffee, possibly at one of those stools uh, I passed earlier. MTS, do you ever lose hope about the problem of drowning in Bangladesh? No, I, I, I'm not because I have a very passionate group of people that I'm leading, that is called CSAF. I have a very good, very efficient lifeguards. If I lose my hope, what will happen to them? So I never lose my hope. What of the future here for lifeguards at Cox's Bazaar? Well, uh, you can see right now we have a very good, uh, very good skilled people over here. But uh, one of our challenges is sustainability. 
So that's why we are trying to go for uh, funding from other sources, like we are trying to get the NGOs, INGOs. We want to. Uh, we are searching for the corporates. We we are searching for the uh, Ministry of Tourism. If I came back here in five years' time, what would you hope that I'd see here at Cox's Bazaar? Well, uh, maybe you will find uh, our lifeguard service covering three more beaches. Uh, you will find that. Uh, most of the tourists listening to us, most of the tourists, before they come to the beach, they have most sorts of information. You will see uh, in the hotel, there are lots of information, safety information provided by the CSAFE or the government authorities. But most of the hotel owners, they like to give the safety information to the tourists. Uh, the government will uh, support us uh, and definitely uh, the project uh, will sustain. Well, MTS, thanks very much for talking to me today. Should we, should we go and get that coffee? Definitely. Thanks. Okay. Let's go.